This is episode number 142. This is Craig Conover, and this is the story of how a buddy of mine who was trying to find his way through law school in the city of Charleston fell upon a reality TV show which launched him into superstardom. This is episode number 142, and this is Creating Space. What's happening? Welcome back to the show. It's an exciting show. Reality TV has been this conundrum that I've always been trying to figure out. Really don't understand it. But in seeing that, a good buddy of mine from my college days is well endowed with it. Got to figure out exactly what that's all about. But before we do that, obviously some housekeeping things. Number one, what I'm working on, a couple of things that have been implemented into my lifestyle right now that are giving me immediate results and I want to pass on number one. So I've been incorporating guided meditations in the last five days, every single morning before I put my feet on the ground and I'm experiencing extreme clarity. Now, I don't want to blow this out of the water as if it's something that is awe-inspiring and is life-changing. Here's what I will say and I'll break it down and make it very easy to digest. Number one, the guided meditations give me structure, gives me routine, gives me something to look forward to. Number two, the guided meditations are giving me clarity. It's taking off any of the anxious feelings that I may feel in the morning when I'm thinking about the things that I got to get done or maybe the notifications that come to my phone or the tasks, the big tasks that I have for the day. All of that I'm able to detach from when I can focus my energy specifically on the outcome that I'm being guided towards. And for me, that's most important. I need to control the way that my brain spins in the morning and direct that laser focus into a specific desired direction. And more so than that, it's helping me attach a feeling to an outcome. So when I can think about maybe walking me through my day and I can think about how I'm going to show up to a meeting or how I'm going to react to a client or how I'm going to strategically maneuver myself in my position and any of the conversations that I might be having, it's really helping me get clear in an anticipatory way for what my day may look like. So first things first, starting my morning, the last five mornings with a guided meditation has significantly increased the clarity and the focus that I begin my day with. Now, you know as well as I know, starting your day from a point of clarity and a point of calm focus, that's a powerful place to stay. So the next thing that I've been using to supplement that, and I've added a compounding effect to it, is um, simply using sun salutations. Now, for those of you who are not yogis, um, you can look up what sun salutations are on the internet. Obviously, just hit Google, type in sun salutations, and give it a look. There's videos all over the place. But essentially what's happening is this is where I'm beginning to incorporate intentional movement into my morning. Through these sun salutations, I'm aligning with the clarity that I've just gotten from the guided meditation, and I'm exerting that through intentional movement. So it's helping to warm up my hamstrings, um, which protect my knees. It's getting my quads open. It's opening my chest and shoulders. It's then moving through my neck. All aspects of my body are being activated through this, and it's really helping me start my day with good posture. And with good posture comes good confidence. With good confidence comes a great ability to connect. 
right? And the way we show up means everything throughout our day. So these two things are the first and most important parts of my day, and I've incorporated them together. I've married them together and incorporated them throughout the last five days, and I will say there has been massive improvement. Now, could it be because I've just now implemented this into my lifestyle? Maybe, but I can only go off the results that I'm experiencing. So I would say, if you're looking to change your morning routine, adding guided meditations before your feet hit the ground, and then moving directly from a guided meditation into multiple rounds of sun salutations. Now, the sun salutations are going to really connect you to the inner flame, the inner fire. They're going to get you hot. They're going to get you warmed up. And they're going to pull and entice that inner warrior out. There's nothing better than that. From that point, I'm moving straight into a cold shower. Okay, so I'm guiding my focus. I'm warming my body up, and then I'm springing my neurological system with cold water. The last five days have been the most productive days since I started the podcast. Whether or not that's associated with the new routine that I've just adopted or not, unclear. But I will say it's been the five most consecutively productive days that I've ever experienced. And I wish that I could go back to my playing days so that I could saw off all of that performance anxiety that I was experiencing before I got to the training center and I could come with calm, clear focus. But I can't do that. What I can focus on now is implementing this daily and crushing my day. So number one, guided meditations. Number two, moving straight from there to sun salutations, as many as you need to feel good. Then from there, a cold shower. After that, the day is yours. That's as far as I've gotten into constructing my morning routine in the direction of something that's really working for me. So now let's shift to the podcast. Hopefully that's enough value. Maybe you'll, you'll pull the trigger on one or maybe all three of those. But the podcast today is all about reality TV, okay? And I want you guys to take yourself out of the idea of what you may think about reality TV stars and let's just fall into the moment of experiencing what it might actually be like to be a reality TV star. And Craig does an incredible job of breaking this down on this podcast. And I'm really excited to roll this one out and let you guys hear from the perspective of someone who's going through it four seasons deep into it. So without any further ado, let's jump into this great podcast with a good buddy of mine, Mr. Craig Conner. Guys, what's happening? Welcome back to the show. This guy on the other line. Most of you in this region, the Southeast region, know this face, especially if you're tuned in to Southern Charm. This is uh, a good buddy of mine, college um, party mate, buddy, uh, just an absolute legend at the College of Charleston. This is Craig Conover, and Craig is a reality team <laughs> star on Southern Charm. And it's so incredible to see you have gone from this like searching law student to reality TV image. And it's, man, it's, it's incredible, dude. Welcome to Creating Space. Thanks, Wes. I'm glad you reached out, man. I miss you, dude. And it's, uh, it's going to be fun to catch up. I'm glad, uh, you know, all the, all your listeners can, uh, you know, can tune in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think we kind of have something similar as in, you never know where the heck life's going to take you. You just have to embrace it and, uh, you know, make the most out of it. It's, it's been really cool. I have to tell you, first of all, my last memory of you uh, was at 13 Judith Street in Charleston, where um, I used to live, and you were 
uh, in the Kappa Sigma fraternity, which I was not a part of, but well, you were like, I mean, you're an honorary member because uh, yeah, might as well everything. have been. Yeah, I just made sure that uh, I stood closest to the keg and made sure all the cups were paid for. But, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, my 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 most recent memory of you in that scenario was the peanut party that we had had that, that day. And uh, it was like Outback Steakhouse where people were eating peanuts and crazy like flannel shirts and throwing the peanuts on the ground. It was, it was nuts. And I just remember Craig Conover coming with, uh, with all the ladies, man. He was, the, he was the guy for all the ladies at that time, man. So it's, I feel like it's been like a decade now. I know, and I don't even know if the peanut party was sanctioned. I think <laughs> I think we might have just decided to start throwing peanuts on the ground and it turned into a thing. Yeah. I know I let uh I let my co-star Shep act like he's the ladies man because you know anyone that's you don't you don't hang out with people that talk about it so I let him get all the the glory and fame for that and then you know the other people get to live the actual real life so it's they, it seems like you're designing the lifestyle with a bit of uh, <laughs> with a bit of mindfulness in there just slide yeah. that that secondary play is always the best play in my opinion Oh yeah, the, quiet, the, quiet man wins. Quiet I man. like that. Uh, I like that meme that, or the picture. I guess they're all called memes now. And it's like, I want like the let's be the relationship that everyone talks about but doesn't know anything about. Well, I'm a huge hypocrite though because I just aired my relationship out on <laughs> inter- international television for the last two years. So yes, that is what I would like, but it's not what I currently have. Yeah, it's uh, that has to be in a strange situation being in the public eye, man, and and having paparazzi. I assume there's paparazzi in Charleston every now and again that pops up and rears their ugly head. I mean, is that a situation you're having to deal with? Uh, we're we're like for us, it's. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just individuals, and it's great because like they they always that like you know it, it it's now that we're four or five years into it, it's it's intense, and uh, you know people come up and be like, how do you deal with it? blah blah, and you'll never hear me complain because I always say I'm like, look, I could be working two shifts in a diner, you know, like you're not gonna catch me complaining about right. taking pictures, and you can make someone's day and putting a smile on someone's face, taking a picture is great, you know, but. Yeah, I, I think for some of my other uh my my other co-stars, uh they they're probably very lucky that I there there should be paparazzi because they'd make a lot of money, but <laughs> apparently they haven't discovered that they would have a lot of uh good material here. Um but no, I I uh, you know, I got I was very fortunate that I had to self-validate um in high school, actually middle school. So I was uh I was bullied really bad growing up and uh, I was fortunate that I had a good home to go to. So, you know, my, I had a safe place and it breaks my heart to think about the kids that don't have a safe place. Um, but you know, I, I had parents that, you know, we had dinner together every night and, you know, they, they made me, you know, remember and realize that I was great and I was, you know, awesome and, ta- you know, smart and talented and, uh, so when I knew that I was okay, I got to view like the bullies in high school as, you know, the kid on the bus that, you know, I was the starting second baseman. I beat him out. He had to go home to an abusive father who probably beat him for not being the starting second baseman. And so I was able to kind of have that empathy. Long story short, it really helped me 
getting into this reality TV world because since I've self-validated, I can just play the game and I don't have to deal with the scars that come with it. As in, you know, I, I see some of the other people, some of my friends, they really struggle with, you know, they never, they never had these mean things said about them and they spend all day, like the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed, reading these things and they take them to heart and they argue with these people. And, you know, I, I've, I, I told one, you know, one of the girls, uh, I was like, look, babe, I was like, if you left for three months while the show aired, you went down to the islands, you never responded to anyone and you came back, how would your life change? And she was like, well, it wouldn't. And I was like, that's right. Because it has no material effect on your real life. Like the, you know, these, these people on the internet. And, uh, and then this, my second thing that I tried to get across to them is it's a video game now. Like, like trolling people online is a video game. And so they view everyone as characters in this game, not real people. And so like, say you have kind of a weird nose. Well, that's an easy opening to go get points by making fun of their nose. They might not actually think that you're ugly. They might think you're pretty, but these people see it's it's a game it's hard to explain but they don't really feel like I, I i tried to explain to naomi i was like they don't actually feel or think the way like what they're saying to you they're saying it because it's a sick form of validation for them i don't know i basically yeah. i got lucky because i had to go through hell as a kid and now it doesn't phase me so so, wow. I mean, I was following you with that. With I know. I'm sorry. Analogy. I fucking oh, ran like sometimes. I like but. it. There's a level of depth and thought to that. And it's extremely interesting now in the, this day and age with social media, the power that it has to connect people, the power that it has to build people, and the power that it has to tear, to tear others down. Oh, yeah. I it, mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's – sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. No, it's, it, it's excellent, man. And it, and it leads to the part of – this whole aspect of fame. And, and my question to you is in building what you have built through the process, right? So let's go back to where you were in Charleston before this all happened, right? Law student going the, the conventional route. When you were studying law, were you happy? I was, I, I actually really enjoyed it. And uh, I think you could look around the classroom and see the kids that were doing it because their parents wanted them to, or because they didn't want to get a job yet. And, uh, they were miserable, but I, for the first time, other than my finance class was learning stuff that I actually really liked. So we will, we'll play plug and play. So then you get to, then you, all right. So what's that? Well, I'll basically add in as you go with your question. So I yeah. did like it. Yeah, no. So you were, you were, you were connected to a passion. You were enjoying it. You were putting yourself into it, diving deeper inside of it. Um, my next question is, where were you in your studies when this opportunity, I, I would imagine it's a casting call, like walk me through that moment where there was all of a sudden the awareness that there was a reality TV show coming to Charleston and you could potentially be uh, a part of it. Well, and that's kind of what's interesting, and I'm glad you asked me because I, I, this is one of the things that I really wish everyone knew. Um, it, it we're, ve we're, we're actually very unique in what happened. Um, basically, uh, Whitney 
sold basically presented his idea at like a film festival in LA or a TV fest, whatever it was. And NBC owns Bravo loved it. Loved the concept. Um, they, they, he had a teaser reel made, uh, you know, teasers, what they call it in TV instead of a trailer. Right. But they didn't like the guys on it. And so they basically came up with, you know, uh, profiles of their ideal people and they sent character scouts to Charleston, which sounds like the coolest job ever to me. And they, <laughs> and they integrated themselves into Charleston. And so they basically like, you know, they, they, I matched a something that they wanted. And, um, I, they knew that my best friend and I were inseparable at that time. Like no bartender had ever seen us walk into a bar apart. And so they basically, befriended both of us and then they were telling us about this show they were doing and we were like oh that's you know that's cool as hell that's awesome guys no idea they're considering us and then they're like hey we kind of want to just put you on film for the heck of it put us on film they made me an offer um it came out that they were only entertaining my best friend at that time to get to me uh which you know kind of broke us up but then uh, I said, wait, no. wait, 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 wait. So they, they gouged in between you and your buddy. And then obviously that brought up issues. Yeah. Like, he like, he wasn't mad at me. He just look like we don't kiss a girl unless we're positive that they want to kiss us. We all have this. A lot of us have a fear of rejection, you know, sure. like, unless we're, I mean, I can't tell you like, we're not, I, I'm not a big first move person because I don't want to lean in. And they, so he was the same way and they got us pumped up about this project. Um, you know, we didn't go seeking it. And, uh, then he was rejected and that kind of crushed him. Um, but yeah, so I said no for, for a few months. And I think at the the fifth month mark, it got to a financial point where, I had to really consider it. And uh, I, I went and talked to my, my Dean at the time. And she's like, look, Craig, you live in a, a new day and age. Like, unless you do heroin or smoke crack on, on TV, like you're going to be fine. And, you know, I, I would, I would wake up one morning and be like, dude, you never said no to anything in your life. Well, except heroin and crack, you know? <laughs> but you know, like, you know, this is why you're at where you are. Like, you know, just live your life. And then the next day I'd be like, you're working at a great law firm, like everything's going, going fine. And what it ultimately came down to was I was like, what would I regret more? Would I regret not doing the show and always wishing I had, or would I regret doing the show and then having to do damage control after it more? And it was a no brainer. And I was like, you know, I would regret not doing it way more than doing it. And so I said, screw it. And I signed and here we are five years later. How did it feel when you walked into the dean's office and you were like, I, "I've I've got to got to chase this dream and, and <laughs> I'm taking this opportunity." Yeah, I mean it. It uh, did you feel free when you were leaving? Like, it, well, there's no precedent here. Like, you, I I spent so many hours in class googling. They shouldn't let you have your laptop in class, but I was like <laughs> googling, "Should you do a reality TV show? Like, should I? Do, like, you can't find any information on it." And it was funny because I actually messaged Cameron 
on Facebook, knowing that she was this girl and, you know, everyone was in love with Charleston or, I mean, everyone was, yes, everyone loves Charleston. Everyone was in love with Cameron, but I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't know her that well, but I was like, look, I don't know. I don't have anyone else to ask. Like, can right. we meet for lunch? And she's like, well, it's funny because, um, you know, Whitney and I are friends too. And we met and then, uh, we decided, you know, to do it. And we all, it was about a year before cameras showed up. And so we became kind of family for that, you know, for a while. And, uh, I, I didn't, I never regretted it. Like I wouldn't change any, I wouldn't change a single thing about it. And I, the whole time I wanted to do it. I just didn't know if I should do it, but it felt good doing what I wanted to do, I guess. Yeah. Taking the power back and, and moving forward with your own desires instead of what yeah. you think that other people should, yeah. what and you should do tough. for other people. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like, I mean, you know, it, you only live once. You got to do what makes you happy. You know, you get one shot at this life, but you know, unless there's reincarnation and who knows what we'd come back as. But at this point in this, you know, you gotta, you gotta live your life how you want to live it. And it's tough. It's not easy at some points, but when you make that decision to live for you, it's yeah, it's one of the greater feelings that, you know, you'll ever have. So yeah. Once you make that choice to live for you, uh, you unlock That's, freedom, you unlock freedom, man. So, but your life subsequently has never been the same since that moment. So can, can you put me, can you put yourself back into that, uh, to, into that moment, that time in your life where you showed up for the first, I don't know, casting call or you showed up for the first episode or debriefing or whatever. What did you learn about reality TV that you didn't know existed? It was just, I mean, it, it was, it was just entering a whole new world. It, it just, you know, I, I've always been against robots and sheeps and doing what you're supposed to. And I kind of, I, I got to take a step back and be like, I wasn't doing, that's what's interesting is I actually really love the law and I'd love to practice one day and help people. But I was like, no, I don't need to go work a nine to five just because everyone else does. And so when I got, you know, when I started doing it, um, you know, it's a skill. I mean, it's, uh, it, you, you entertain people. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's, all all shows are kind of different. I mean, our show isn't, you know, sometimes, I mean, we all said, Wes, you even said this, if Showtime or HBO ever came to Charleston back when we were in college and convinced six of us to sign away our futures, but to make an, like, <laughs> an X-rated show about Charleston, it would be the greatest. Tell I mean, it was, on. it would, Entourage would look like, you know, Barney. It, yeah, there's no doubt. I would have redirected my life in pursuit of professional soccer to have been a part of that. I mean, that would have been that would have been nuts. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I didn't know. I didn't really have anything going into it. I kind of just took it, you know, with open arms. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I can't. So I guess the greater I guess the greater question is as we keep diving deeper into your experiences, like you the when the camera comes com, becomes a part of you or when it's on you you change or shift pieces of yourself to fit a character that you want other people to see so the question is is like what did you immediately change about yourself to fit the image that you wanted to construct 
to allow other people to formulate their like opinions on you or perspective on you? What part of you did you have to either improve or what part did you have to shield? Like, do you see where I'm going with the question? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, and it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's a great question because the time that I did that is the time I hated myself the most. And Mm. I, uh, first season I was myself and then second season I tried to portray someone I wasn't and it backfired tremendously. I, it just, it, when you're not, when you're being someone that you're not, you haven't, you just look, I mean, I got destroyed and maybe in first season, I wasn't even that open. I was, I was guarded. And then third season, I was like, I just was myself. And after that first day of filming on third season, which continued through fourth, I was just myself. And it made it so much easier because then you were like, what doesn't matter what comes out because that was you, you know, you weren't trying to fix like basically like second season, like, you know, I was mad at how things were portrayed because I was trying to manipulate them a certain way. But then when you're actually being yourself, then you don't care because you're like, well, it's me. You know what I mean? Like you you have no one to be mad at but yourself. And so I guess what I was trying to hide was, you know, I I hadn't grown up yet. I've struggled and still struggle with procrastination horribly. And, you know, I I get, you know, I would get uh, work done for a 7 a.m. deadline at 5 a.m. You know, I, I, I tried to make it look like I was uh, more professional and, and uh, responsible than I was. And, uh, you know, fortunately, it all comes out in the wash. And, you know, at the end, I've, you know, I, I had to fix that. But I don't know, sometimes it's hard to look in a mirror. Like, I, yeah, you're right. I did try to, um, I don't know, I tried to, uh, I guess make it look like I was had stuff figured out a lot more than I did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what pieces of yourself did you start to recognize when you were checking yourself in the mirror that like, okay, procrastination is something I don't like. I got to fix that. What else were some of the demons that you were looking at and thinking, all right, this isn't, this isn't cool. And I need to put some energy towards growing this part of myself. Yeah. I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't hide from it anymore. And, uh, it was basically, I don't know, it comes back to time. Like it, it's, I always told myself like, Oh, well, yeah, by the end of your twenties, you'll be a millionaire, you know, because I was only, you know, 24 or 25. And I was like, you'll figure it out next year. You'll figure it out next year. And it, it really was, most of my problems were rooted in the procrastination, whether it be finance or, or employment or, partying it was just like you'll fix yourself tomorrow and uh that i guess that's that was the the hardest part was uh then seeing that you were kind of a piece of shit and getting over then the whole thing like hating yourself for you know i was i was very fortunate kid i was blessed with a healthy home i'm an intelligent person you know, I got to go to college and you're like, did I waste all that away? And then you just, fortunately, you're like, no, tomorrow's the next day of the rest of your life. And once I, I read that or heard that my dad, 
gave me some tapes to listen to and the whole tomorrow's the next day of the rest of your life. That's what kind of helped me to, uh, you know, start to change everything. So what was the next step? How did you, how did you begin to build that man? What was the next best step you took to begin to construct like the guy that I'm sitting in front of right now? I, uh, I actually, I moved home. I, uh, I removed myself from Charleston. We got done filming, uh, season, it was, season two was whenever, you know, when I, when I really had to look in the mirror and, uh, and we got done filming and I got in my car and drove home and, uh, to Delaware, it's a nine and a half hour drive, 600 miles. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was just going home for Christmas. Um, but I needed a safe, well, I thought, you know, it, that was why I initially drove home and I ended up staying for like six months and I started to work, you know, work at my dad's company and start to consult for him. And I started, I was forced to wake up at a normal time, like 8am. And, you know, my, my parents stopped drinking when I was born and, uh, it was just a health, it, it really was it for me, it was being in a healthy environment because, if you don't have control of yourself in Charleston, there are plenty of ways to justify your behavior. And I, and I'm big on that. I, I can justify anything to myself. If not, sure. if I'm not being held accountable by someone else, it's really hard for me at that point to hold myself accountable. And so I needed, I needed structure. Structure is everything to me and, uh, and balance. And, and I couldn't do it on my own at that time. And so by moving home to Delaware, moving, you know, fortunately, like it was an, you know, open door to my house. Uh, that's when I started to be like, get happy again and be like, like, you're good. Like, got time, man. Like you got this. Yeah. And that's when I started to be able to structure things, but it really was the environment. That's, that's what changed it. So this is the art of creating space, man. This is, uh, what allowed me to begin to break free from the chains to begin to, to, to put myself in an environment that helped me get healthy in mind, body, and spirit. Um, when you're going through that processing, you're humbling, you're taking a knee to life. What did you learn about yourself in that six months? Um, and when did you know you were ready to get back down to the, your Charleston or the, the, the environment, um, that you were in previously? I think what I learned was I, I was finally able to separate potential from who I was. So I, I, I stopped thinking that I was great and that I had everything figured out and that I was, you know, doing great. And instead was like, no, you have the potential to be great and you have the potential to be very successful, but you're not. Like you aren't, you haven't accomplished anything. And I was able to separate that fantasy. I was basically able to make the fantasy and the vision that I had for myself. I put it on paper and then I started to like go in that direction because, you know, here it was no one else's fault but myself. But, you know, Charleston's a pretty miraculous place where, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of old, there's money here, you know, that people don't have to work. You can drink all day long every day. And so when you're around that, you can justify not doing anything productive because sure. your friends aren't. And, and I basically it was just, it was, it was being truthful to myself that no, you are wasting away 
God-given talents right now. Just because you were given those talents, you haven't done anything with them. And I started to uh, kind of work towards uh, applying those talents instead of just knowing I had them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, man, that's that's incredibly uh, profound of a statement because even as you're speaking, I'm thinking about some of the habits and the behaviors I may have where I feed into my vision or feed into this potential that I know that I have and that, and that I, sometimes I'll puff my chest out thinking that I've already arrived right. or that, that I've got what I need. And what do you know uh, about being that constant learner, man? Well, I mean, that it, it was really, and I still struggle with it today. I have all of these ideas and I write them, you know, I have like a note page in my phone where I, I write these ideas down and unfortunately what I struggle with is when I write them, when I come up with the idea, my brain registers that as that I did that idea. And so it's, it's really waking up every day and well, I make the list before I go to bed. And for me, I have to check like physically check things off the list because I have like, I just, I, in my brain, you know, you, it's, it's, it, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. It's just like, you, you feel you're like, Oh yeah, I want to buy this really thoughtful present for this person. I'm going to buy this really thoughtful present for this person. And then you're two weeks out and you're like, yes, th- they're going to love this. Like, this is going to be the greatest present ever. And then all of a sudden you're four days out and you're like, it's still going to, and then all of a sudden it's past their birthday or something. And the, the thought of getting them a great present, that's it, not material. Sure. You know? it, and, and I, that's kind of my biggest thing is like, you know, executing and uh, I don't know. That's only, uh, only execution matters. The, and that's the reality of the situation. It's only the shots when no one's watching that Michael Jordan was taking that allowed him to make the biggest shots that the world ever watched. Well, right? Yeah, no. And you're right. And I think that's why like I, that actually, I've never thought about that, but <clears throat> that could contribute to kind of what happened with me was, you know, I was a baseball guy and I, I would play against the wall for two hours after practice at least you know my dad on our on our latest like the house when i was in high school built a brick wall on our garage for us to play against and like and you know it whether it's like you know it's paying for the person in front of you that might be a little slower challenge in the gas station they can't figure it out and just swiping your card and like you know waving it off the clerk and the person not even knowing like all of my life was always done in the shadows. I didn't do it for credit. And I think, I don't know, it's, I just, I think all of the good stuff that I had done in the past allowed me to justify not executing on things, you know, in the present. And, you know, I just kind of had to wake up and be like, look, that was great that you did all that stuff. And yeah, you used to be a really hard worker, but you still got to do it. It's consistency. And it's, uh, you know, it's, you, you need to, basically I had to learn to treat life like a sport and be like, no, you want to be the best at life that you can be. And there's no justification of not being that best. And uh, I don't know, it's kind of a, it's a constant, you know, battle, but 
um, like I said, getting into that healthy environment and knowing that it wasn't too late to be a, you know, a great person again, that's kind of what it helped me. So how are you creating space right now for, from your stardom? Like uh, everywhere you go in Charleston, it's already, I've already done my homework. I understand that you can't go many places without being recognized. And I even heard that you sometimes have to stay outside of the limelight that you stay in, you'll go to people's houses instead of getting into the bar scene and whatnot. How are you dealing with that, managing that right now to allow you to live like a healthy, balanced life? So my, my, my goal forever, the reason I wanted to be rich, if you want to use the R word, the reason I wanted to make a ton of money one day was to be able to give it to other people. Um, I always wanted to be a philanthropist, but in the purest form, my joy comes from making other people happy. And I guess I was, it might come from that self-validation that I would choose other people's happiness over mine. And so when the show came along, basically like, yes, I loved law school and I have a passion for law, but it was also a big part of it that you had a potential to make a lot of money. And when the show came along and I saw the, the financial, you know, potential, you know, I went into that and what's kept me grounded. And I think why I don't, I'm happy with myself because I have been fortunate enough to be able to give back a ton of what we get from the show. And so last year I got involved with a great organization in Haiti. And so we have 18 kids in Haiti and, you know, my, my happy place is down there because it's, there's no superficial or, you know, nothing superficial. You can blow up a water bag and place, you know, soccer or hockey sack with a four-year-old kid for 20 minutes and, you know, it's made his whole year. And so I I do that and I do Habitat for Humanity and we ran the New York Marathon last year for the Haiti and um, I'm getting involved with the bully cause now. And so I think my how I justify my behavior now to myself is by, by doing good kind of, I don't think I answered your question, but that's how I kind of. So, so um, you've got a platform now. I mean, even when the show dies, whenever it ceases to exist anymore, is that what you plan to do with the, the platform that you've created for yourself? I just, so, you know, when I, when I was in, when I started working in the law firm, like I said, I wanted to make money. And so I was working there to make money. I got myself in a good position where you, you ate what you killed. And I love that aspect. I didn't care about a guaranteed paycheck. I wanted a percentage of what I won. And now I can say that, that I don't have to do that anymore. I can go into like, when I was in, Last time I was in Haiti, it was before I passed the bar, and you know a cup a couple had and they're actually a very famous radio show d j and uh they they had officially and legally adopted two kids and they couldn't get them across the border and all I could do was refer them to someone, and that drove me crazy so you know i just wanna i wanna save the day i guess I think that's what I live for is is saving the day and uh you know, whatever, whatever channel allows me to get to that point, I'm going to take. And I think that's why I've embraced the show so much because I can see that it's allowing me to get to a point, uh, that I wouldn't have been able to get to, uh, at this age, um, in other aspects. But yeah, I mean, 
it, you know, I, I used to be the kid that wore neon V-necks and blazers, you know, mm-hmm. out to the dollar. I, I, <laughs> I saw, I, I seek to atten- like I, I craved attention and it one day, hopefully I'll write a thesis on this, but you know, now I, uh, I, I, uh, I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I literally, I, I lived for attention and now, you know, I have my garden and have my workshop and I'm sewing and like, I, I find myself, I read an article the other day. There's a, there's a, a middle ground between an extrovert and an introvert now. And it's like, if someone's talking about something you care about, you'll talk their ear off. Or if you're talking to a friend, like I am now, you'll talk their ear off. But when it comes to like bullshit, or strangers you literally have no desire to even be around them so yeah most definitely an ambivert man i cannot stand having any of the superficial conversations i can't even make it into a bar any longer um which it's incredible to hear that you've broken those habits but begs the question for me to allow you to give talk about that thesis man i could drop this question in now which will allow you to have a bit of that that ability to do so for the for those of you you've you've been given a cheat code Craig you've you've been right. able to hop you've been able to hop a lot of different levels right you got the you got the feather in Mario you just took off and, and skipped yeah. levels and you the didn't lose it. To you would be those underneath you who are scratching and clawing to either get in front of an audience and to build a platform on their own to have a level of fame or to just do what it is that they love. Right. And have a passion based uh, business or life. What kind of advice would you give them from the place that you're at um, and, and reaching a hand out of advice to help them? I would say it's accepting that life's not fair, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. Like, so basically, yes, it's we're very fortunate to live in the country we do that it's everything's possible. Now, is it going to be a thousand times harder for some people than it is for other? Yes. And for those people, it just is what it is. But that doesn't mean you can't get there. If that makes sense. It's like, yes, I got lucky as shit. I took a chance. I've sacrificed a lot where I am. There's a lot of shit that goes on, you know, that, people don't see in this world it's very dark i would never like i said it doesn't compare to our soldiers out there you know the person working to feed their family but it's just i would take chances and if you get an opportunity take it and you know it might sound weird hearing it from me because people only relate my life to what they've seen on tv now but like it doesn't matter how down you are there's still a glimmer you know there's still a light and uh i don't know i just 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 keep fighting and it works out basically like everything works out at the end of the day and yes no one's gonna it's unfair and it sucks for some people but if they're able to just say yeah it does suck and but i'm still gonna do it if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It makes tons of sense. Next Basically question. just be, just be real to yours, you know, just be real, you know, nothing's going to get handed, you know, it's just, I mean, we're in a whole new world now with the entitlement stuff, but it's like, 
it's just no one owes you anything, you know, no one yeah. owes you anything at all. You're right. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I guess just remembering that there's a chance, you know, there's always a chance, no doubt, um, which begs the, the, the follow up question. If all of this stuff that you do have, the darkness that you have, also the greatness around what you've built for yourself. If you could take, uh, uh, if you could take the opportunity to dump one or two things out of your life that are just come with the territory that you wish you didn't have to deal with, like what are one or two things that you would immediately negate from your lifestyle and get in and, and, and erode it? That I don't like people anymore. Wow. Okay. No, I mean it's crazy. It's uh. It when you're exposed to this much attention, I guess in a clearer way to explain what I was saying earlier, I used to love, like I I had to be surrounded by people, and I miss that, and uh, I miss because now you're just you're always watched, you're always you always have to be on, you know you you no matter where you are, an airport or bar. You know, there's camera phones out, you know, people are listening in and like I we went to a bachelor party. Actually, it was oh, it was Osborne's bachelor party in Montreal. And I had no idea that our show's in like twenty seven different countries now. And I had no idea we weren't in Canada. And we got up there and I landed and I'm walking through the airport and like to myself, I like started to realize I was like, People don't know who the hell I am here. And I was like, This is it's kind of different. And that week I got to live like my old self where like you just did anything, but now I can only do the, do that with my friends. Um, I don't, yeah, that's not anything I've done. I'm just saying that it's crazy that I think about that. I, I, uh, it's, I just, I wish everyone realized that, you know, it's not characters there. There are people, it's not anything to complain about, but I, I just, I would, I would suggest to everyone to just take a step back sometimes. Don't, don't take stuff so seriously. Give someone a chance. Go up and say, what's up? Like, tr like go back to the olden days where you actually said hi to someone and, and you would be uh, pretty amazed. Like instead of, instead of wanting the picture, like shit, before I was on the show, the reason I was, became friends with some like actual celebrities is because instead of being the person that took a picture with them, I became friends with them and I got mm -hmm. to hang out with them. I was like, what's cooler to hang out with them all night, play call of duty till six in the morning with the, you know, like with this like famous person, or do you want to post a picture about it? Because everyone just seeks validation from uh, social media now, but I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a crazy, it's, it's just very interesting. You know, I mean, I had I had some, uh, I was going to say, what's the worst thing that's happened to you thus far from, from a crazed fan? Uh, nothing, nothing horrible. It's more like, you know, I, I got, I remember for sec, second season or first season, I was getting handwritten letters from this football coach in California and uh, they were going to my agent and he would send them to me and I didn't care what they said. I mean, it was basically like I'm the downfall of society and, you know, like I'm ruining America. But at that point, I, you know, I was curious. So I looked this guy up and he had a family and he was still, you know, they were still together and he had kids. And I was like, how on earth is someone that's been on maybe, you know, at that point, 14 episodes of television 
motivate someone to take the time away from their family to write a handwritten letter to someone. You know, it just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, sure. go spend that time with your family instead of, I don't know, it kind of exposes you to, uh, I always say, if whoever's running the world, if there is someone, and if they created reality TV to distract everyone, then high five to them. Because <laughs> it works. Yeah, I mean, just look, I love TV. I love movies. That's my escape. That's my happy place. But I also read the news every day and I stay informed, you know, like just, just, I don't know, just be a well-rounded person. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, it's so much that I'm sure you've learned throughout this, this journey, throughout this travel. And, and it's interesting to see the person that I get to speak to right now with my last conversation having been with you 10 years ago where we both were very different <laughs> individuals. What would you say? Well, someone uh, had to do it. Someone <laughs> had to end up on TV out of our crazy group. Yeah, no kidding, man. It was, you know, it was, it's just so interesting at that time you were, you were focused on getting to law school and enjoying your, your college years. And, you know, I was tucking myself away, man, and just, just chasing a dream and following that that journey inside my mind so it's it's awesome to see it well and then, then not and i will add that then because i think when you asked me my advice for people it was hard because it's hard to apply advice to everyone but i'll say the few people that get a chance take it that would be like my you know my advice yeah. like yes it's you know five percent of the people listening might get a really awesome chance and it'll be scary as shit it's not tv it's not anything but maybe a job opportunity and you know take that leap but it's scary but they should take the leap man i'm 100 percent a proponent just of not that. off not your type of leap, the other yeah, type of leap yeah yeah when it comes to when it comes to keeping your feet on the ground that's most important you know and, and craig for those of you listeners who are new to the show who may not know my past craig is alluding to when i uh was was at the the midst of my my suicidal uh time in my life and, and was climbing the bridge so with that being said craig um as you move forward in your life and we talk about legacy when it's all said and done and, and when you're looking back on your life and you set your tools down and you say, I'm, I've made it. What would you have liked to be able to say that you had done? You know I mean? So you've watched hook, right? Like, yep. yeah. And you know how he was always the guy standing outside the window, looking in at everyone else being happy. Yeah. Like when I'm okay with that. And I, 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 I don't know how or why. And, you know, I, I, I am a very lonely person. I know that doesn't make sense, but, um, I'm okay with like, if I'm able to make as many people happy as possible, like, you know, the kids in Haiti or the stranger on the street, I'm okay with that because I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with stuff. So I, I guess you know, if I, I don't worry about, I don't have a desire of what people would say about me. I, I like, I, I'm okay with as long as I make, you know, if, if I better other people, even if they didn't know who I was, I'm okay with that. So you'll sacrifice your own happiness for the happiness of others. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And, uh, so and, would you say at this moment that, reality tv and the fame that you have been given has made you less 
happy than that life previous or more happy? I think it's highlighted some stuff. Um, I, I'm fortunate and I, I, I don't know. It's a tough question. I, I mean, it, it's a, uh, it's a great one to, to, to offer because to when ponder. I got to the, listen, man, when I got to the top, when I was at the best league in, 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 in our nation, I was the most unhappy I've ever been in my life. So it's interesting. Yeah. But see, you also can't fathom it until you get there. Exactly. And I always wanted it, even though I was never going to pursue it. I was never going to move to LA to try an acting career. I always wanted this secretly. And I also knew because Anytime you hear people talk about that, you just, you can't fathom it until you get there. And I was like, I want to get there so I can feel it, but it's true. I mean, it, it but I, then again, the people that don't know, they have, you know, they have no idea, but yeah, I, I don't think I've ever felt lonelier, not in like a bad way. Cause I'm happy, but uh, then, you know, yes, reality TV, like the being on TV and stuff has definitely made me a more lonely person. So would you give it all back? No, I wouldn't change a thing because my joy is I'm in a position to help people that I wouldn't have been in for a long time, but no, I mean, look, I'm not, it's great. It's awesome. I love it. I'm happy for like, like Shep, he's getting, he loves like, you know, the girls and everything, everyone's just different. And, uh, I, you know, I, I do it for a reason to put me in a position to, to be able to financially help other people. I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, it's a blast. I love it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like you love it, but yes, there are some caveats, but no, I wouldn't change a thing. You, you know? gotta take the good. You gotta take the bad with the good, man. And, and yeah. I'll, I'll have to say, Craig, I can remember being in Vancouver through that dark time in my life, and watching the first season <laughs> of um, Southern Charm in the house uh, that I was really wasting away mentally in, and I can remember really wanting to get back to Charleston and missing those times and being so overwhelmed with like this. I don't want to call it jealousy because it wasn't jealousy. It was just this admiration that you had gotten on the show and that I was watching you and seeing how life was in Charleston. I can remember so vividly how that was. Some happy times. Yeah. yeah but, so I'll ask you, I know we're, we're, we're running out of time, but I'll ask you because I struggle every time I, I, I decide a goal on making myself better or something I want to do better in my life. How did you take the first step to, not like any crazy step, but you're like, Oh, I want to read or I want to listen to tapes. But see, for me, like reading the book is like, I don't know if that, yeah, the yeah. time that it takes, it's, it's like, well, it's going to take eight weeks till I'm better. But what was your first step? My first step was getting back to movement. It was exercise, man. It, my knee was hurting so badly and I couldn't run. I couldn't do all the things that I thought I could do. And I couldn't afford a gym membership either. Like I was, dude, Craig, I was homeless. And I had at one point like $46 in my bank, bank account. Yes. Um, pressure, bro. You should have scored and, more and goals, yeah. Wes. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. I should have, should have broke more legs. and. Scored no, more I know, more. I know. I'm just messing with at, you. At so the sorry. end of the day, what saved my life was the initial decision actually not to take my life. That was the first step. Right. 
But it was, I mean, but after that, was it getting outside? The second step was to get outside, begin to start working out. And I, there were pull-up bars at First Beach in, in Vancouver. And I would go there every single day, two, three times a day. And I would bust my ass and push all this pent up, like anger, frustration, resentment, all the energy that was negatively yeah. compounding inside. I just put it into my, my body. And then when my body started to feel good, I started to feel confident because I was getting like, I was getting ripped and I was yeah. more confident. Started, yeah. My mind started to follow that notion. And then it began. So, I mean, it really is the first steps, the hardest. And that's why like, I, I, if, if anyone's listening, that's struggling with stuff and, and don't want to punch me in the face for saying this. And that's why it's tough for me to say it sometimes. Cause I, I'm obvious, like now in a fortune position, but I'm just saying if there's anyone listening that would like to hear that people that are in fortunate positions deal sometimes with getting off the couch to walk outside being a big deal, it happens to people that are fortunate. And I'm just, I meant, I'm just saying like everyone's still f- human and no matter where you're at and, uh, it gives you less excuses to do that. But, um, no, I, I mean, I'm still working on myself and, uh, I mean, I, I love talking to you. I hope, uh, you have me back cause it's, you know, it's inspiration to get out there and keep going. Yeah, man. I I'll have to say I'm, I'm proud of you for not having lost yourself through this scenario. And I feel like the same guy that I remember is the same guy that I'm having a conversation with right now. And, you know, we could have gone to very, separate ways in, in allowing the ego to be built through um, what it was that we were doing and being defined by, by our, our jobs. But I'm, I'm glad to see that things for you are, are going well and you haven't lost that um, attachment to, to who you really are, man. So kudos to you. Real excited that you've gotten uh, to where you are. Real excited that you come on the show and I'm just happy for you, my man. I'm grateful for you. For Thanks, sure. dude. Yeah, you'll have to. I'll send you uh, some pillows. My latest outlet of meditation is sewing, and so okay. I now sew pillows. Uh, I and love. I know. I asked Sean. <laughs> I asked Sean. I was like, "What's more random, me ending up on a reality show or me starting a designer pillow line?" That I'm <laughs> like, definitely the pillows, Craig. So where 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 can uh, those of the Creating Space tribe that are listening to you right now? Where can they find you? Where can they find your pillows? I I, I took uh like I like I've said throughout the the podcast. I'm a big talker and I struggle with walking. You know, executing. And fortunately, this last week uh, started to execute. And uh, we have the Shopify website being built, and I have like. Uh, you know, ton of pillows and, uh, it's basically just keep your eye out or message me on Instagram. If you have like a custom order. And, uh, I finally am happy because it's, it's actually happening instead of me just being like, Oh, I want to do something. So, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You know. so is Instagram where you're putting your energy? Is that where people will go to find the most of you? Um, I get yelled at every day because I do not use social media like I should um, (laughs) because I'm living in the moment, but I've started to realize that it's a great way to connect, which is obvious. And like, honestly, through you showing me that like, you know, even if you're not surrounded by a ton of people, you can still, you know, I don't know, it's participation, it's communication. So I'm trying to get better at it. So 
Yeah, man. Well, it's going to be fun to watch the next phase of your life as he continues, whether the reality TV show, which maybe is it, is it getting picked up? I don't know. What, what's it looking like? I mean, every time I think that there's nothing left, trauma- or dramatic changes in people's lives continue to happen. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I thought last season would be our last and then, you know, shit hit the fan and now there's a few of us whose lives have completely changed. I just bought a house in uh in Sneed Farm, like across the across the city. So I think if they decide to uh to get us rolling again here soon, there's gonna be plenty to uh plenty to follow. So uh, well I'm gonna have to tune in if that is the case, man. Craig Conover, I'm proud of you, buddy. It's great to have you on the show. I appreciate the honest conversation. Thanks, Wes. Yeah, hopefully I didn't ramble too much, but I appreciate uh, you having me on. Mm-hmm.